podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday, the 20th of August. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, and access anything you may be geo blocked from. Also, keeps your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. They have both hardware and software packages available. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and finally do remember to check out both the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops. You can find them by googling EPL Index shop or Anfield Index shop or you can go on the Etsy app and just search EPL Index or Anfield Index. Lots of new merch there, lots to keep your attention. Do check them out. Right folks, it is Friday. Uh, We have Mr. Guy Drinkle here. Uh, Before we get to Guy, Arsenal have announced the signing of Martin Odegaard this morning. I really like the signing. I think he's a tremendous player. I think he's got huge potential. And I think he did well for them last season. I like the fit with him, Saka and Smith Rowe as three behind the striker. Now, it does mean that Aubameyang is going to have to be used more as a number nine. And they do have a bit of a logjam there with Aubameyang, Lacazette. Eddie Nketiah following Balogun. So maybe Nketiah is the one who leaves. But it leaves Arsenal in a strong position in the attacking areas. They've also obviously got Reese Nelson. They've still got Nicolas Pepe there. So they have good wide depth. And if Odegaard is the starting 10, Smith Rowe can be the backup in that role. So Arsenal have a strong attack. It's a shame about the rest of the team. They're about to compound the issues with the rest of the team. Aaron Ramsdale has had his medical this morning and Arsenal are about to complete the £24 million signing of a guy who's been the worst goalkeeper in the league the last two seasons. So congrats to them and their fans on the Odegaard signing. I think he will do well, especially in the long term. But the Ramsdale one is is a shocker. It is a, a real shocker of a signing. One step forward, two leaps backwards. It's the new Arsenal way, the banter era remains unopposed. Other news today, Gary Cahill has signed a one-year contract with Bournemouth, having left Crystal Palace in the summer. The announcement picture looks like someone took it with a potato, but uh, he looks all very happy with his Bournemouth jersey, teaming up with new manager Scott Parker. Scotty, two coats. I wonder if Cahill will start to wear an extra jacket while he's there as well. Um, That is basically it for news, other than things that are going on outside the UK that we're not going to focus on today. We'll talk about them more next week. But for now, uh, that is the the main news. Odegaard to Arsenal, Gary Cahill to Bournemouth. We'll bring in Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? 
I am lovely. How about you? I'm tremendous. It's the weekend. It's raining, so it's very Irish. Hmm. And football's back, so that's kind of important because I ignored as much as I could the European football that took place during the week. Um, and I'm excited for this weekend of the Premier League because last weekend was really good. It's true, and I missed most of it because I was in a bloody wedding. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I saw our game, though, so that's all that matters. Um, but we are starting, actually, with our game. Uh, we are both Liverpool fans, obviously. We have Liverpool-Burnley, Klopp v Sean Dyche, round two. Who's winning this time? Yeah, this is a good one because there's clearly a strong mutual respect between the two of them. Um, but they clearly rile each other on the touchline. They obviously come from very different schools of thought about how football should be played. Now, part of that is the club that Dyche manages and the budget that he's kind of restricted by. But Sean Dyche is a defensive first kind of guy. Um, whereas Klopp, Klopp's main aim is, you know, to score as many goals as possible and just blast teams out of the water. Um, Burnley lost 2-1 last weekend. They looked good in the first half. And faded really badly in the second half. Couldn't deal with the substitutions that Brighton made at all. Motor and uh, McAllister came on and changed the game. Burnley probably should have been 2-0 up before Brighton got back into it. But again, they don't have... Other than Chris Wood, they don't have a real goal scorer in the team. Vidra gets goals in the championship. Jay Rodriguez has always been more of a wide forward than someone that plays through the middle. Barnes is not a big-time scorer. They could really do with someone that could play up front with Chris Wood. That would help them immensely. Going into this game, they've no Dale Stevens, no Kevin Long. And neither of them would be starters. But they are depth pieces. Like, Stevens is their fourth central midfield player. Long is their fourth centre-back. So they've only really got the two starters and one other option at the moment. So that's a bit of a concern for them. And both of them are ruled out with no return date uh, as yet. Liverpool beat Norwich, looked quite good in doing so, are getting players back to fitness as well, which is important. Now, Andy Robertson is still ruled out, but thankfully he is back in training after what looked like it could have been a horrendous ankle injury in the preseason game against Bilbao. Curtis Jones is back. He's out of concussion protocol, um, so he'll be an option off the bench maybe. Jordan Henderson is training. He played against Osasuna in the second of the friendlies. He played against Aston Villa. I assume it was like the Aston Villa under-23s in a behind-closed-doors friendly. He hasn't played a real game of football in six months now since his injury against, um, against Everton. He had the few appearances in the Euros, but he didn't look at all fit. He didn't play very well at all. Um, so it's been a long road back for him from an injury that Klopp initially said was going to be six weeks. Fabinho Tavares, we found out today, his father passed away. So he's a doubt, obviously, for this game. Uh, whether he plays or not, I, I guess, will be his own decision. He can't go back to Brazil because of the quarantine rules. So he's, he's stuck in the UK. So he might want to play to take his mind off things. We'll wait and see. And then Thiago Alcantara is back. He's fit. He's ready to go. The only thing he might be lacking is match sharpness. But he played in the same two games as Henderson and didn't have a long-term injury. So you'd expect that maybe he's ready to go. Maybe Henderson comes off the bench. 
Milner might start if Fabinho doesn't. Henderson could start there if Fabinho doesn't either. But I, I don't know if Klopp would risk both Henderson and Thiago um, first game back. Liverpool are at home. The crowd are back. There's only one way this game is going, in my opinion. I think Liverpool are going to win this game. I think they're going to win it comfortably enough. I think the crowd are going to make a raucous, raucous amount of noise. It's obviously a game that Liverpool are dedicating to the memory of Andrew Devine, uh, the 97th victim of the Hillsborough tragedy. I think Liverpool win in style. I'm going to say Liverpool win 3-0. Yeah, I mean, I have only watched the highlights of the Brighton-Burnley game, but yeah, the team in the just disappeared in that second half and mm. that was against a team that doesn't do goals so yeah could be interesting well that's exactly the thing like Brighton are a team that struggled desperately for goals Burnley are a team whose whole thing is how strong they are defensively so for that to work out the way it did was concerning especially the types of goals mm. that they gave up like if they were a couple of worldies or you know something like that but their goals where they were picked apart and scored from close range. Um, those are concerning goals for Burnley to concede early in the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they develop. Hopefully not against Liverpool, for our sake. But yeah, hopefully for Sean Dyche and Burnley, they, uh, they do improve in that regard. Uh, next up, Villa-Newcastle. Um, I mean, would it be fair to say Villa the most disappointing team from the first weekend? Yeah, I mean, Watford wiped the floor with mm. them for a long stretch of that game. Um, obviously Grealish gone, three new boys in. Now they didn't start the three new boys in the first game, which was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I, I was quite surprised with the lineup that Dean Smith went with, where he played Ashley Young as a winger uh, and Al Ghazi on the other side. Buendia did start, but um, Ings played up front, but Bailey was off the bench and there was no Ollie Watkins. So they looked like a group of players that hadn't really played together before. Young looked completely out of sorts as a left winger. He hasn't played as a winger in years. He was a wing back for Inter Milan. He'd been a left back for United for at least three seasons before he left there. So playing as a winger again, especially at his age now, just not really something he's capable of. You could see the difference when Bailey came on. He immediately made a difference. And Villa did threaten to get back into the game. If they'd had maybe 10 more minutes, it's possible they would have got back into the game and gotten the draw. But up until the McGinn goal, they were just played off the pitch. My good friend Tyron Mings, utterly horrendous. Uh, Matt Target didn't have a good game. Nakamba didn't play well. So they need to hope that they're looking a bit stronger this weekend. Now, Bertrand Traore is ruled out. Ollie Watkins is a major doubt. Douglas Louise is back in training, but he's only just back from the Olympics. So, you know, he might be given a little bit more time. Sanson is out. Uh, when they get him back, who knows? And obviously, Trezeguet still out with the um, the torn ACL suffered at Anfield last year. For, for Villa, they, they really need to hit the ground running, though. They really need to start winning games to avoid any kind of stigma building that they can't do it without Grealish. Um, Newcastle had a mental first game mm. like that was the strangest game of the weekend they go one up then it's one all they go two one up 
And then they just collapse in the second half as West Ham run away from them. Newcastle likely to be without Shelby, without Dummett. Deschels, uh, Lachelles is a doubt. Dubravka is out. Darlow is out. And Elliot Anderson is out. So you'd imagine Freddie Woodman gets another opportunity in goal. He actually did quite well. Made a couple of big saves, including a penalty, but got no protection from that defence. Joe Willock should play. So that'll be a boost for the tune. Um, we know what their threat is. I mean, it's give the ball to St. Maximin and hope for the best. That's basically the game plan for Newcastle at the minute. They've got Wilson's a good striker, but he's not the type who's going to go and create for himself. Uh, Almiron has never really kind of sparked the way they hope he would. He's been good, but he's never been the player they thought they were paying 20 odd million for. It's hard to see beyond a Villa win in this game, especially at home. I'm going to go with a 2-0 home win for Villa. Do you think they have to play, like, maybe not rush, but have to start back up? I was calling by Bailey and um, hopefully Ings and Buendias play a bit better because I know Bailey had the assist for the McGinn goal, but that was still a bit of a worldie, but yeah. I- yeah, it was, a, it was a good cross, but a great finish. Yeah. And obviously Ings scored the penalty, but he hadn't played well yeah, in the yeah. game. Buendia was very, very quiet. But a lot of that was they just couldn't build out from the back mm. the way they normally do. So, yeah, I mean, look, it'll be some, there'll be some settling in problems, as, as always, when you land in a bunch of new players. They've had that the last couple of seasons. I'd expect them to be a lot better this weekend. You know, another week of training. Remember as well, Ings and Bailey arrived quite late. True. In before the first game, so they didn't have a whole bunch of time. Buendia has been there m- months now. He was one of the earliest signings of the summer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think with a bit more time, I think we'll see more from Ings and we'll see more from Bailey. I- I'm looking forward to seeing them when they've got Watkins back and Douglas mm. Louise is back. Then we'll, we'll see what the real Villa are going to be. We'll see what kind of shape they're going to play. My guess is it'll be a 4-4-2 with Bailey on the left, Buendia playing narrow on the right to leave the channel from Addy Cash and then the two boys up front, Ings and Watkins, because Dean Smith has said he didn't buy Watkins to play him wide. I thought he might go 4-2-3-1, but he says he's going to play them up front. So I'll tell you one thing, no centre-back pairing is going to enjoy trying to play out against them two because they they will run and run and run endlessly, harass defenders. They must be absolute pains in the backside to play against. Um, So when Villa get Watkins back, I think we'll see more of what Dean Smith has planned for this year. But, for this game, I think he'll stick with four two three one. Maybe bring Bailey in for for Young. Young might start at left back. I don't know. Yeah, target yeah. was disastrous, wasn't he? Oh, he was a mess. Yeah. Ishmael Asar absolutely yeah. roasted him. Now, I will say it's not all Target's fault. He was left out in an island because Tyron Mings refused to engage Sar at any point. Like if you look at the first two goals, Mings really should be getting out to help his fullback because Nakamba drops back into the centre-back area, but all of a sudden they end up with three really narrow centre-backs, a big gap, and then target out in his own. You want Mings pushing out to go and meet the man if he gets by target and just be there as that sweeper type. He didn't do it at all, and that's what caused him the first two goals. So they need to get better in their defensive rotations. Mings needs to be braver in his defending as well and um, and stop trying to protect his reputation. He's even now as well, isn't he? 
think. Yeah. 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 Well, he was captain at the weekend, and I assume he's going to keep the. Uh, it's a mess. He, he shouldn't even be in the team. He's the worst player in their team by a, a considerable margin. Yeah. And uh, he, they've made him captain. It's it's an interesting one. A quick word on Newcastle. An exciting game between Steve Bruce and a nice team. It's not what you'd expect back in the day. But, I mean, Newcastle looked good going forward, but defensively and midfield, they looked a bit of a mess. Can Willick add a bit more legs in there? Probably with Hayden, you'd presume? You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Now, it'll be interesting to see if he sticks with the flat-back five that he went with against West Ham. Or with Willock coming in, what does he do in midfield? Because I don't know that you'd play Willock Hayden and Almiron as a three. I think ideally you'd want to bring in another. So maybe he drops out a centre-back, goes with, or, or drops out Murphy the wing-back and goes with Kraft, two of the centre-backs. Mm. They don't really have great options there with Lachelle's out. Uh, I I don't like Richie as a, as a left back. I don't like Richie much at all. He's not my type of player. I don't know what Jamal Lewis has done to upset Steve Bruce as much, but he should be their left back. And then you have Kraft and Lewis. They, they're good fullbacks. They're good fullbacks. You'd be fine with that. If you get Lachelle's back fit, you've got three quarters of a good defence. You go and you find the right partner for Lachelle's, you've got good goalkeepers. All of a sudden, that's fine. You've got Hayden's a good holding midfield player. Shelby sits in next to him normally. It can be long staff if Shelby's missing. All of a sudden, you've got a real basis to build off. And then you can play Almiron, Willock, Simaximum, and Wilson almost like a front four, either in a 4 2 3 1 or a box midfield with two up top. And you'd be a problem for teams. Like if you went Almiron off the right, Willock through the middle, Simaximum off the left, and. Um, and Wilson up front, that'd be a really good attack. They're one centre-back away from having a pretty good team. I'm sure I saw they were linked with loaning... I don't think you can do both because of loan laws, but I think they were both linked with Ampadu and Malangsar from Chelsea. Which is would see, hint at a back I, three, wouldn't it? it? It would, because Ampadu... I don't think Ampadu's a centre-back in a back four. I think mm. he's a really good option as the middle centre-back in a three. But in a back four, I think he's a holding midfield player. I think that's the role for him. Um, Malang Sar, I have concerns about in the Premier League. He's 5'10". He's, he's pretty quick, but he's not an explosive jumper. And I worry about him aerially in the Premier League. Well, didn't Arsenal just spend 50 mil on that? <laughs> basically, yeah. I mean, that's basically it. Arsenal spent 50 million on a guy who's not good in the air. Now, look, Ben White has has really good attributes yeah, on the yeah, ball. Do you know? Um, but he's not going to work in a four. Mm-hmm. Ben White would be, be ideal as the middle centre-back in a three. Or you could play him on the right of a three. But yeah, in a back he was good four, for Brighton in a, in a right, wasn't that, he? That's the thing. In a back four, he's a right back, or he's a holding midfield player. He's not a centre back. Um, I think Newcastle, they've got Willock in. I think whatever budget they have left, they need to go and find themselves a centre back. Yeah. Whether it's a loan, whether it's a permanent deal, I don't know. But go and find yourself a centre back. Duja Kaletakar is sitting out there for about 18 million. I think him and Lachelle's would be a good pairing for Newcastle. He's a a right-footed left-side centre-back who can ping really good long balls, which would help with Almiron wide and St. Maximum wide. 
he would be able to change defence into attack really quickly. Um, at some point next week, because it's, I think, the last full week of the window, I'll do 20 signings for 20, for 20 clubs. And I think he's the guy that Newcastle should be really going after, because I think he'd just be ideal. They were linked with uh, Quebec as well before we got him, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he'd, he'd be another option, mm. you know. And the, the thing is, like, Lachelle's maybe you can't really rely on him physically. But if you could get, maybe you go to, to Schalke and say, look, we'll take Quebec on loan with an obligation to buy mm. for 15 million, which is a better price than you're going to get from anyone else. We'll guarantee we pay that as long as we stay in the Premier League this season, yeah. which they probably will. You do that, so that's money towards next summer, and then you spend whatever's left in this year's budget on Coletta Carr, and then you've got Lachelle's and Coletta Carr with Quebec as the third one, who'll probably start quite a bit because of Lachelle's injury issues. Yeah. But Quebec and Coletta Carr would be a nice partnership to go with, because you know Steve Bruce's not going to play a high line. No. So no. A, lack of, a little lack of pace in, in Quebec over the first two, three yards isn't going to be an issue. He's really good with the game ahead of him. Reads the game very, very well. Strong defender. I, I think Newcastle could be a decent enough team quite easily, but they can't keep playing the likes of Kieran Clark. Like, you look at that defence that came mm. out against West Ham. You've got Murphy, who's a winger, who's been converted to a wing back and now playing a full back in a flat five. Kraft, who's a right back, not a centre back. Federico Fernandez has never been very good. He Kieran must be Clark, old now, Fernandez. Federico Fernandez is thirty-two. He will be thirty-three in February. Um, like he wasn't particularly good for Swansea. He hasn't been particularly good for Newcastle. He still gets games. Next to him, you've got Kieran Clark, who's missed an awful lot of football. He's thirty-two in a month or so, he's never really shown that he's a Premier League caliber centre-back. He's a much better left-back in a four than he is centre-back in a three or four. And then Matt Ritchie, who's an attack-minded player. Newcastle bought him because he was banging in goals for Bournemouth. Like his, his last full season with Bournemouth, um, in the championship, he scored 15 goals and 51. Didn't do well in the Premier League the next season. But when Newcastle bought him, he scored 16 goals in his first season there. They bought him to score goals, to be an attacking player. And he's been converted into a wing back and now a full back in a five. The guy can't defend very well. He just kicks people. He's like their version of James Milner. And also, he's 32 again next month. So, you know, three three fifths of that back line that started are the wrong side of 30. And the two that aren't, one is a winger and the other is a fullback and both of them have been played out of position. And, you know, you've got Jamal Lewis shit sitting on the bench. You've got um, Jamal Lachelle sitting on the bench. Why aren't they playing? Fabian Schaar is better than any of those centre-backs. Mm. Why is he not playing? I, I just don't understand. Like, you get away with Schaar and Lachelle in that back four with Kraft and Lewis, that midfield, etc. But you'd want to upgrade, ideally. But if you had Shar as your fourth centre-back, you'd be really happy with that. If you're Newcastle, and your centre-backs were, as example, Lachelle's, Coletta Carr, Quebec, and Shar, and then you still got Fernandez or Clark as your fifth, you get rid of the other one, 
you'd be really happy with that situation. You've got three good keepers. You've got good right backs, Kraft and Mankio. You've got uh, Lewis at left back. You could maybe bring in a bit of depth behind him, but you'd be in a good position. And you'd be a lot younger defensively as well. You'd be building something that you could look at and say, well, you know, over the next two, three years, we're going to have a, a team here that's maybe going to be able to challenge for top half. We've got decent players in midfield. We've got good players in attack now. But the, the lack of ambition, the lack of willingness to do anything resembling an outside-the-box move, just it really grinds my gears, the, the, the lack of anything at Newcastle. See what you do, Mike Ashley. I've edited it out, but you make Dave swear on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, prediction for this one? Um, 2 0 Villa. Moving on then to Palace v Brentford. I mean, it's fair to say Palace's season starts here <laughs> after getting battered by Chelsea. But Brentford, I mean, we'll start with them because obviously they were probably the, maybe apart from Spurs beating City, they're probably the story from the opening weekend because. Let's be honest, they comfortably battered Arsenal. I know it was only 2-0, but there was never as soon as they went ahead, I don't think there was ever doubt when they'd win that game. No, no, as soon as they went ahead, that was it, game over. Arsenal just looked completely shell-shocked. And Arsenal fans can point at 65% possession, 22 shots on goal, but only four shots on target in the whole game. Most of those shots were speculative efforts taken out of sheer panic more than anything. Um, Brentford looked really well organised. They played a very, very good system. That that 3-5-2 works well for them. They got runners in support. Now, Canos got his goal. He's not a wing-back, though. He he needs to play further forward. He struggled defensively, and Ayer behind him had a bit of a nightmare trying to cover in for him and deal with with his own centre-back duties. Uh, Matthias Jensen is out, and Josh De Silva is out. Now, Jensen actually is back. Yeah, no, he's, he is out. He was back in training, but he is ruled out for Saturday. Josh De Silva is out with the hip problem. Um, so they're, they are two big blows because they're mm. key midfielders for them. But look, Onyeka looked good yeah, in his debut. Yeah. Norgard looked good and scored a goal. Now, that was largely down to Arsenal's calamity defending. But I was, I was, I was hugely impressed by Brentford. I have to say, I was really, really impressed. Um, I've said before, I really like Ethan Pinnock, the centre-back. I thought he played really, really well. He's a guy that's had a, a really interesting career, come the, the long way to um, to playing his football in the Premier League. Like, was at Millwall's academy, got released, was told he wasn't good enough. Well, to went to Dulwich Hamlet until he was 23 years of age. He's playing non-league football with Dulwich Hamlet in the sixth tier of English football. Not even... Not even the, the level below League Two. The one below that. Um, went to Forest Green Rovers. Played a year there. Went to Barnsley for a couple of years. And looked like he'd just become a journeyman. But Brentford nabbed him in 2019. He was 26. And he has been excellent for them. They paid three million. I reckon they'd easily get 15 from now if they put him on the market. He's also become a Jamaica international this year, which is huge for him and his family. He's a player I really, really like. I think I love how, he's, how his career has worked out. I'm amazed it took anyone this long to figure out he was this good because left-footed centre-backs 
mm. are so rare that you would think people would be scouring the market for them. And he was just sitting out there, first at Forest Green, then at Barnsley. Brentford got him for three million. Um, and he has been tremendous for them since he arrived. Absolutely tremendous. So really happy for him. Really happy for Brentford that they got their win. And, um, you know, Crystal Palace, injury problems at the moment. Elise is out. Ezzy's out. There's the, the two creative players they would have wanted out. Um, Nathan Ferguson, poor lad. I mean, I just feel so bad for him. He was meant to join Palace. He had a knee injury. He was forced to wait six months. The knee injury didn't improve. He missed half the season. Then when he was due to come back, he ends up with a thigh problem, misses the whole season, and then he tears his Achilles in preseason this year. Oh, God. The lad's just had no luck at all. And he is so promising. He is such a promising young defender. So that's a big, big loss for them. Um, they looked dreadful, if we're being fair, against Chelsea. Dreadful. They looked like a team without a plan. They looked like a group of lads that had met up before the game and never really trained together. Uh, so big pressure on Vieira to get things going quickly. Because we saw with Frank De Boer, if, if he doesn't get results in the first five, six games, they'll have no problem. Hodgie will be big, back. Him off. <laughs> Hodge, Hodgson, I, I wouldn't rule out them going strong after Dyche again. Steve Cooper's now sitting out there if they want to go for him. Uh, Armand Tony, Big Sam is out. Like, there are. You, you've got the Gammon and Gravy mm. out of work group in, in Tony, Sam, and Roy. You've got Steve Cooper, who's very, very good coach, very good development coach, mm. but is primarily defensive-minded in the same way that Dyche is. A very similar coach to Dyche. Gets the most out of players. So either of those would be younger, more modern versions of that gammon and gravy brigade. So it absolutely would make no surprise to me. The if, uh, Dortmund coach still available, technically, if he had his break. I can't remember the bloody name. The guy who was there, uh, Turdich, is that his name? No. Managed Dortmund last season. The previous one. The one oh, Lucien Favre. That's the Lucien one, yeah. Favre, yeah. Um, he could be an option. Now, I think they were quite put out by how he turned that job down because he yeah, did accept it. Um, Terzic is the guy I was thinking of, the guy that replaced yeah, yeah, yeah. Favre. He's, I think he's back working as an assistant um, at Dortmund. But uh, I think Favre might have burnt his bridges there. But like I say, Cooper's out there. Dyche is potentially there. You could always go Galman and Gravy. Like, there's options. I Sam think Sam was game, doing well there, to be fair. He left for the England job, didn't he? For for a week. <laughs> no. Was that No, Sam was at Sunderland, I think. Was he at Sunderland? I think he was at Sunderland before he took the England job. Let me just check on that. I think he was at Sunderland. I thought he was um, Right. Big Sam. Yeah, he was at Sunderland, then England, and then he took the Palace job. Um, um, after okay. that. Then he didn't get the contract he wanted. He had himself a little temper tantrum. Then he turned up at Everton. And then he did a disastrous job at West Brom last year. Got sacked. But to save face, he he resigned before they publicly sacked him. 
Um, what's hilarious about him getting the England job is that Sunderland, he won 29% of his games. He won 9 of 31. He did keep them up, but like that's not what you should be appointing the England manager based mm-hmm. on. Um, as for this game, I, I think it'll be a good game of football. I think Palace need to show more life. Um, They've got Conor Gallagher back in midfield, which will help. They've got Gallagher back, which is big. They've got uh, Milivojevic is back, which is also big. Maybe we see Zaha play wide in this game and they go to a 4-3-3 with Zaha, Mateta and Ayu or Mateta and and Schlupp. Um, Maybe MacArthur, Gallagher and Milivojevic in midfield. I'm going to say 1-1. Because I really want Palace to get off. It's more that I want Palace to get a result and get off the ground quickly. I, I do fancy Brentford to win, but... You just don't want one of their managers back. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Well, it's in Palace as well. And, and Selhurst Park is a great stadium in terms of atmosphere. It's one of the best atmospheres in English football. Hugely passionate bunch of fans. So... That should give Palace a bit of an edge. I'll go a draw. I'll go a draw. I'll go 1-1. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Moving on then to... Oh, God. Leeds, who I'm sure we can talk their defending, uh, against Everton. Um, We'll start with Everton, because Leeds is easier to discuss their terribleness. Everton, obviously, bad first half, but they really turned the screw. I think they made a couple. I think Gawabi came on and apparently changed the game a bit. Um... We always kind of said he makes sense as a Rafa Benitez player. Um, mm. But uh, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison against that Leeds defence, which I I don't think it's actually possible to play worse than they did. Um, but them two, especially against that defence, it should bear fruit, you'd imagine. It should. I mean, if, if you're Rafa, you have to be thinking... We're just going to pump the ball into their box as much as possible. Calvert-Lewin is incredible in the air. Richarlison's really good in the air. You've got good delivery from the likes of Dean. You know, they need to get more good delivery into that team. They're going to have to do that in the transfer market. But that's their path to winning this game. Like, you're not going to outwork, outrun um, a Leeds team under Bielsa. Now, I will say, Leeds disappointed me in so many ways last weekend. Mm. Not just... Not just the defending. The defending was something you'd see down the park. Like a bunch of kids running around with head, like headless chickens. Pogba was really good. Pogba was brilliant. He, but he got four assists from doing very simple things. Because Leeds were playing like headless chickens. There was so many gaps behind them, between them. All Pogba had to do was just look up and loft a ball. Or slide it through one of the big gaps. It wasn't like he was doing anything groundbreaking. But what really frustrated me with Leeds was we saw none of the high-intensity counterattacks. We saw none of the overloads they create. We didn't see them just work United out of the middle of the field. They got outplayed themselves. That was really disappointing. Now, I would imagine there has been at least two sessions of murder ball this past week. And I would reckon that the Leeds players will be a lot more in tune for this weekend. But Rafa has a real path to victory here by just picking on the fact that Leeds are terrible in the air. They were terrible in the air last year. Diego Lorientes still out for this game, by all accounts. 
Um, Adam Forshaw is out as well, but everybody else should be fit. Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin will have their way here. Um, James is not going to play. I don't think he'll ever play for Everton again. But Moise Keane is back after mm. COVID. Uh, Andre Gomes is out. And Gabaman, who has the worst look in the world. Poor fella's been injured nonstop since joining them. He's got, now got COVID. So um, he's <laughs> out. But he, he probably wouldn't have started anyway. But Moise Keane is also very good in the air. Yeah. So if Rafa really wanted to to go for it, you could play Richarlison, Keane, and Calvert-Lewin. Play Keane on the right, Calvert-Lewin to the middle, and Richarlison on the left as a narrow three. Mm-hmm. He'll probably play 4-2-3-1 and, and Keane come off the bench. But I, I, I think Everton are going to have some joy here. Now, with that said, I do think Leeds will be much improved. Calvin Phillips should play. That will help massively. So I am going to go for a home win. But I'm going to go for a fairly wild 3-2 with Leeds looking atrocious at the back, but picking on Michael Keane's lack of movement up front, lack of movement as well. I think that's their path to opening up Everton is pointing at Michael Keane, running off Michael Keane, driving towards Michael Keane. I'll go 3-2 Leeds. I'll just wait till Michael Keane touches the ball and takes 200 touches for some reason. Exactly. Oh, uh, that was funny. Um, Man City Norwich had, I mean, on papers, it should be a home banker, but Norwich, I can't remember if it was Carroll Road or the Etihad last time, but Norwich did beat them last time they were up, but Man City mm. can't lose two games in a row. They spent 100 mil, the defending champions. I mean, if they do lose, they will be spending more than 150 mil just on Harry Kane, I imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if they lose, I think it'll be panic stations. Um, Phil Foden out, Gundogan a doubt, Liam Delap out. They obviously, they shoved all the steroids into De Bruyne last weekend and got him back weeks before he was due back. But um, you'd imagine he probably starts this time. City have to win. There's there's just no way around it. They were really poor against Spurs. Grealish was awful. Pep can tell all the lies he wants. He was dreadful. I think City have massive pressure on them early in the season, especially if Liverpool win and they have six points. Yeah. City can't afford to be six points behind Liverpool at this early point in the season. They'll also likely be six points behind Chelsea if City were to lose here, because you'd expect Chelsea to beat Arsenal. Um, I think they have to win this game. Now, um, Norwich are without Hernandez, Hugel, Oma, Bamdeli, Sam Byram and Placheta, none of whom would start anyway. So Norwich should be close to full strength. They played well against Liverpool, but they were clearly outclassed. Uh, I, I just think this is a, a very straightforward 4-0 for, for City. Um, I expect this is the type of game that Grealish will play well in. You know, they'll have all of the ball. He'll be well involved. Norwich don't really have a ball winner in their team. Don't really have much pace at centre-back. Two fullbacks can be got at defensively a little bit, lack of experience and nous. So I, I'll say City win four 0 Yeah, I think I think that's safe. Um shall we do the next one, get Saturday out of the way, then do a quick break? Yeah, we might as well. Yeah. So Brighton Watford next. I mean Watford probably the surprise package, uh, pretty much battering Villa last weekend. And Brighton 
scoring more than one goal in a game. That's, that's surprising in itself, but I think this that, should be an interesting game. I think this will be a good game. Um, now, Brighton do have some injury issues. Dan Byrne is out. Lamptey's out. Welbeck is out. Veltman is out. Aaron Connolly's back. And um, they're also missing the backup keeper, Sherpin. But Lamptey's obviously the big loss there. It probably means another week of Webster at right back, which isn't ideal. They're rumoured to be currently in negotiations with Benfica for Darwin Nunes. Don't know how true that is. Might just be a rehash of last summer's rumours. But if they could add him, he would make a big difference for them. Watford with a big surprise last weekend, like you say, just wiped Villa off the floor for 67 minutes. Um, we're 3-0 up and, and really humming along. Shar looked brilliant. Uh, Hernandez, when he came on, looked great. Mm. They just played some really good football. Now, Chalab is a doubt. He's kind of in the bad books at the moment because he has, hasn't has signed a new contract. Same with Will Hughes. He's not going to play. He's training with the 23s. Juraj uh, Kuka, who played last weekend, he's a doubt. Josh King should be back. Um, but Joe Pedro was out. That's a bit of a blow because he's he's a good striker. They they do they do like him. Good job they have eight hundred uh, forwards. <laughs> yeah, they've got loads and loads of forwards that they've been buying for a decade and not selling any of them because no one wants them because you know, they paid twenty million for Andre Gray because he'd done well at Burnley Is and he's he been still largely... there. Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and it's just it's one of those things where they've kind of stockpiled players in a really bizarre way where a lot of the players don't work together and it's a very mix and match type of thing. But because it's Watford and they will sack a manager at a a moment's notice, um, you can't really complain about it. But yeah, Andre Gray is in the... No, he's got two years left in his deal, this year and next year. They signed him for £20 In 2017. Yeah. That's not money, good. Money, money badly spent. Um, Like, it's a big squad. There is talent there. But I I think Brighton should beat them this weekend. Brighton play a very good brand of football. They create a lot of chances. I wouldn't be a big fan of um, Watford's defence. Don't really rate their goalkeepers. I used to like Foster, but at this age, he's not a top-level goalkeeper anymore. And Backman is just... He wouldn't be for me. He's a little bit too... Eccentric. <laughs> Eccentric is a good word for him. But, like, you know, Cathcart's not a Premier League-caliber defender. Cabaselli's not a Premier League-caliber defender. I do like Adam Messina, the left-back. Truce de Kong is decent, but I don't like the others. Um... A lot rides on the form of Ishmael Asar, and I just think Brighton will have too much for them. I'll go Brighton 2-1 at the Farmer Stadium, also known as the American Express Stadium, but it's the Farmer Stadium if you've lived local. Um, Right, that is it then. That is the first six games, so we'll jump on a quick break, and when we come back then we will go through Sunday and Monday. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. We are previewing and predicting the weekend's games. I'm joined by Guy Drinkle. Mr. Drinkle, what do we have on Sunday? 
So next up we have Southampton v Man United who it's hard because obviously it's only one game but you'd have to say lethal Man United but as we mentioned when we're doing the Leeds bit they were that bad we don't really judge United on it but I mean Southampton if we start with them I mean they looked I've only watched a match of the day myself but they obviously were winning against Everton in the first half Adam Armstrong with a good goal on his debut but then you look at the defending for the goals they conceded Mm. uh, it it didn't look promising. No, it didn't. It looks it looked very Leeds esque. Now, obviously, look, they they'd been training with Vestergaard as the centre back that was going to start the season, and then he leaves on the Friday. They knew he was going, but it's still a late kind of notice move because Leicester were quite late to go for him. Uh, I do like Salisu, and I think Salisu is going to be a really good centre back for him for them. But they need to play him with Bednarak. Stevens shouldn't be in the team. Uh, they started Livermento. I, I think Kyle Walker Peters has to come back in. Livermento's an, an exciting young talent, but Walker Peters is just a better player, a better defender at this point. I do worry about them in midfield. I think they're a little bit soft, a little mm. bit slow. Romeo's a good shielder. He's not a particularly good ball winner. Like he's not a dynamic ball winner. He's not going to go and help your fullback and take the ball off a winger. Whereas Diallo, who they also own, he was on the bench for them. He came on for Romeo. He's, that's his kind of thing. I'd like to see them play Romeo and Diallo and play Ward-Prowse with Stuart Armstrong in that kind of second line, get him more involved in the attacking Mm. play. The only problem with that is, though, that is there in literally every midfield they own playing in a game. Yeah, I mean, then you're kind of, you're looking at a bench with the likes of Jenepo, El Yanassi, guys that haven't really performed for them, they paid big money for. And our but best maybe... mate, the red card, waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I I wonder how many times he'll play this time, this season. Uh, I set the over-under at like four. I think he might have blotted his copybook a bit last season with that. Um, he did hand he it, he it handed in a transfer request as well, didn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think things have gone well since then. Um, I, I think there's talent there at at Saints, but they're just very short on numbers. So for me, I would play Armstrong and Ward Prowse with Romeo and Diallo because what it allows you to do in a game like this, where you're not going to have much of the ball, even if you're at home, United are going to dominate the ball. Mm-hmm. Is just roll them back into a flat four, sit them right in front of your. Center, your centre-backs and full-backs and just become a really horrible team to play against. Now, that's not really Ralph Hasenhutl's type of thing. But I don't see an option for them here. I, I think they're going to lose heavily in this game. I, I've got United to win 3-0. United looked so good in patches against Leeds. And as I said earlier, Pogba was brilliant. Bruno got a hat-trick. Greenwood was really good. I mean, they've still got Sancho to come in. This could be the game that Sancho starts. Doesn't look like Varane will play this game. Cavani won't be back. Uh, Eric Bailly is back, but I mean, he'll he'll be a a depth player. Rashford is out. Alex Tellez is out. Phil Jones, of course, is a doubt. And Dean Henderson's out. So they're missing a lot of players, but they'll still have too much. I, I think Sancho will start ahead of Dan James with Bruno as the 10, Pogba from the left. McTominay and Fred as the holding midfielders and then Greenwood up front. I think that's what they'll go with. 
And I don't see Southampton being able mm. to cope with it. Southampton are pretty much at full strength. Sam McQueen and Will Smallbone are out. Two players that wouldn't play anyway. Um, I, I've got United to win 3-0. Oh, yeah. uh, just on, on United for a sec. I mean, obviously Bruno and Pogba got the headlines, but Mason Greenwood is... Why is why couldn't he be from Liverpool? <laughs> I know. he He is... Like, I've been saying this for a couple of years now. He's really special. Like, he is going to be a superstar. When you look at the future of English football, there's a couple of guys that you really want to protect with kid gloves. Like, Bakayo Saka is one. Sancho's another. Trent is another. And Greenwood, for me, is in that group. I think he's mm. that level of talent. You know, Jude Bellingham, of course, is in that group as well. I, I think he's so special. His movement is incredible. He's a world-class finisher already with both feet. He's so intelligent. He's got a really good feel for where his teammates are. He links play really well. I think, ideally, you'd play him in a front two. Now, that's going to be problematic for United because Bruno has to play. And Bruno's going to play as a 10, which means you know, you've got to play wingers in that situation because they've got Sancho. They're, they can't not play Sancho. Um, they can't play a diamond because then there's no spot for Sancho. You could do... I, I do wonder if sort of... Oli seems to want to play a 4-3-3 moving forward with Bruno and Pogba as eights. The problem there is they don't have a defensive midfielder who can make that work. It would work better. Like, Bruno McTominay as the six and Fred as an eight. Yeah, or Matic as a six and Fred as a... That would work better because Fred would cover a lot of the defensive work as well. And then you can play a narrow front three of Greenwood on the right, maybe Rashford through the middle and Sancho on the left and have them just all interchanging and moving and dropping here, there and everywhere. I think that's what he would like to do. Mm -hmm. But obviously with Pogba, but they don't have the holding midfielder to pull that together. Yeah. And they also don't have any width coming from right back. Shaw will get forward and Shaw's decent going forward, but he's predominantly a defensive fullback these days. Wan Bissaka is only a defensive fullback. Like if they had Max Aarons, I'd be quite concerned about them as a Liverpool fan. Because I think if you put Max Aarons on the right and allowed them to stretch the field vertically as well as horizontally, that would be a, a problem. But that defensive midfield is going to be hard for them to sort out, to go with Pogba. It becomes a lot easier if Pogba's not in that team because you can play a more defensive eight like a Fred, the way Liverpool played Ginny Wijnaldum. You know, and then you don't need that really overly dynamic holding midfielder such as maybe an, a Wilf and Didi. Maybe you can you can go a different route, maybe someone like Chumeni from Monaco doesn't have Ndidi's range, but is a brilliant shielder of the defence and a very good ball winner. But he doesn't get sideline to sideline as quickly as Ndidi does. Ndidi is everywhere. You watch him play, he's everywhere. Chimeni's not that type of player. He's a bit more inside the box. He's closer to Fabinho than, say, Ndidi, who's more of a Kante type, but a better defensive shield than Kante. I, if they got Max Ahrens and Chimeni, I think they'd be a real problem. If Pogba left and they bought those two, United fans would be upset, but I think they'd be a much better team. Go Bruno, Chimeni, Fred, Greenwood, Rashford, Sancho, Aaron's, Varane, Maguire, Shaw, and then whichever goalkeeper works out as number one. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is a team that could win the title. Now, not this season, 
because you want to allow Sancho to settle, you want to allow Aaron's to settle, Chimeni to settle, etc. But next season, 22-23, they'd be, for me, right up there with Liverpool City and Chelsea as a potential title winner. Yeah, make, makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Um, we'll move on to Wolves v Spurs. Um, we'll start off with Spurs because obviously they've had the two games. Um, I'm sure you didn't watch Vanarama Conference qualifiers, but they did lose. Was it Portuguese team they lost to? Yeah, Pacos de Ferreira, I think. Let's go with uh, that. <laughs> I think that. I think that's who they played. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's de Ferreira. I'm not sure if it's. I have no idea. Anywho, who cares? Um, I mean, it's just ag- agony and ecstasy on the the amazing result over City, and then, well, I suppose that's a, a debate that the Spurs want to be in this. Like, it's some if they're in it, they're the favorite. That, that's it. Yeah, they should be anyway. Um, and it's not like they like look. It was a very much a second eleven. What none of the players that started against. City started. Galini started in goal. Uh, they went Carter Vickers, Romero made his debut, and Ben Davies is a back three. Doherty played right back. Cessignon was left back. Well, they were wing backs, Doherty and Cessignon. Lacelso and Winks played in central midfield. And then Brian uh, Brian Hill played in the front three with is it Dane Scarlett? Is that his name? Yeah. A uh, young striker and someone whose surname is John, who I, I unfortunately just don't know. Uh, he was replaced at half time by young Jack Clark, who's very, very exciting player they bought from Leeds a couple of years ago. It's it's a strong team. It should have been enough of a team to go and win this game. Um but they were by all accounts absolutely dreadful. And Romero was asleep for the goal. Um now his first game, it'll take a bit of time. He's only had a couple of days of training as well, because obviously he had isolation period, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but Really disappointing. Now, I don't think it takes the shine off the City win, and I don't think it'll affect them too much, because as I say, they completely changed the level. Nobody who played in the City game played in this game. So I do think they'll be able to just wipe it away. Look, they're going to wallop them at home. They they know they can wallop them at home in the second leg, so they should be okay. Um, They were really good against City. And they dominated City by counter by letting City have the ball and then counterattacking the life out of them. It was a really impressive performance. Delhi was brilliant. Sun was brilliant. Bergvine and Mora impressed me. Uh, I liked what I saw from Ollie Skip next to Heusberg. The defense held itself. Sa- Davin Sanchez was excellent. Dyer was was good for him, not good by real standards, but good for him. And Tanganga <laughs> was excellent. Uh, you know, there's different standards. Like, do you remember when people used to say, oh, Dejan Lovren's playing really well? You'd be like, well, he's playing well by his standards. He's not playing well by other players' centre-back standards. Um, Eric Dyer is, is is in that kind of level. He is He's Dejan Lovren class. Um, obviously, this is Nuno's former team. And obviously... In their first game of the season, they looked very much still like Nuno's team. They played 3-4-3. They played direct counter-attacking football, which is what Nuno likes to do. It's not what I expected from Wolves. It's not what they were doing in pre-season. It was was a different shape and a different style to what we saw in pre-season. But maybe that was taking into account that Leicester are very good in possession. 
this is a tricky game to pick because Wolves are at home. They did okay against against Leicester. Like they could have could have drawn the game. Should have should have drawn the game and could have won the game. But Adama Traore has concrete blocks instead of feet. Hmm. Um, this is a tough one. I think this is the toughest game of the weekend to predict. To be honest, I think I'm going to go draw in the yeah. Nuno Espirito Santo derby. I think I will go draw. Um, I don't expect that Harry Kane will play. No. I could be wrong. Maybe he will play. Um, he's, you know, he's training. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon is a doubt, lack of fitness. Tango and Dembele, uh, I'm not really sure what what is going on with him. Uh, there's a lot of rumours he wants out. There's, Nuno's been really weird with what he said about him, that he's not injured, but it's not the right time from whether that means we're not going to play him or you know we're, we're holding out in case he gets sold. I don't know. But, I mean, he should be starting for them. He is He's a tremendous midfield player. I have no idea uh, where he goes. He's £60 million. And... That's the thing. Yeah. There's nobody out there with money at the minute. You're going to have to load um, him to like a run, probably into Milan or something like that, who have no money. Yeah. <laughs> that's they could yeah I mean that's the kind of thing they'll have to do loan him and hope that his value goes back up and that the club that take him in on loan will have money to spend next summer. Um, Wolves have a lot of players out. Daniel Pedence is out. Neto's out. Johnny Castro's out. Yerson Mesquera is out. Hugo Bueno's out. Owen Otazoi is out, and Willie Bolly is out. So a lot of players missing. They don't really have any backup centre-backs now. It's Kilman, Cody and Sice. So if they're playing three, that's if they get anyone gets injured. I know Den Donker can go there, but then they've got to fill in the midfield. Mm-hmm. And they're not exactly flush with midfield players at the minute either. Um, I'm going to go draw. I'll go 1-1. I'll go 1-1. I think it'll be a fairly tight game. And I'm I'm kind of guessing Kane won't play. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Wolves, if Spurs can play, presumably against a low block in Wolves, you'd imagine. I know Lag is more attacking, but sense you'd restrict Spurs for Son, etc. But we'll see how they do against that. Uh, Moving on to the big one of the weekend then, Arsenal-Chelsea. Presumably Lukaku's re-debut. It's literally been the memes of TikTok and Twitter and everything, but Lukaku, on paper and by the performance against Brentford last week, he should, and I presume will, terrorise Ben White, Pablo Mari. They can mm. put anyone back there. Lukaku should literally just do anything he wants. Yeah, yeah. He's going to bully the life out of them. Um, no Gabriel for Arsenal. He's the one centre-back they have that you think physically maybe could stand up to Lukaku a little bit. Um, Thomas Partey is out as well, so that's another bit of power gone from the team. Eddie Nketiah is ruled out. And then Aubameyang and Lacazette are still doubtful because they've had COVID. Um, so we don't know if they're going to going to make it. They haven't trained today. So it doesn't look likely that either of them will play. Chelsea have no Zayic. He's still coming back from the shoulder. But he is back in training, which is a plus. Uh, Kante is a doubt. He's got an issue with his ankle. Loftus-Cheek is out. And uh, Tony, or Tony Pulisic. Christian Pulisic. <laughs> uh, 
I'm sure the um the people that call him Magadonna and Enoramar <laughs> and uh, whatever else they use to describe him, they might not mind if he called yeah. him Tony Pulisic. But he's out. He's got COVID, um, which is great because as far as I know, he's a an anti-mask, anti-vax type of guy. So enjoy your COVID, buddy. And just as an aside, everybody listen to this, please, please get vaccinated, wear your mask, wash your hands. Don't be an asshole. Simple as that. Don't be an asshole. Get vaccinated, wear your mask, wash your hands and respect other people. Please. Thank you. This is your public service announcement. It's brought to you by the Common Sense Organization of Ireland. Um. I think Chelsea will will absolutely tear Arsenal apart. I think Lukaku is just going to go and stand on Ben White, and like you know, you know when you really just want to annoy somebody and you just start poking them, like hey hey come here, yeah. start poking them for no reason at all. I think he might even just start to do that, start pushing them, pulling his hair, you know, standing on his toes, may even help dragging out his jersey. That's a real. Let's not get too carried away. Let's not get too carried away. I will be interested to see if if Thomas Tuchel decides to use Werner as as Antonio Conte used Martinez hmm. off Lukaku that kind of role, and then maybe play Kai Havertz as a number ten type. Yeah. I do expect it'll be Mason Mount that starts with Havertz and Lukaku, but we'll wait and see. But I think I think Lukaku is going to run amok here. Um, Odegaard, I assume, will be in the Arsenal squad because he's been announced nice and early. But I think Arsenal are going to lose this game. Um, anyway, I'm going to go. Hurt them. Without Aubameyang, it's going to be tough. So I do think you could, if you could run, if he played centre, and you could just run him off the back of Thiago Silva because Chelsea will play a high line. Because mm. Tuchel likes to compress space. If you could play a Bamiang through the middle and just run him off the back of uh, Silva, absolutely you could tear them apart. The, like, I don't know who plays through the middle in this game. Um, in the ba- in the pre- looked very young. Looked yeah, young and out of his depth at at the against Brentford. Pontus Janssen kind of bullied him. Now, they did have some success against the back three. Like, they did get into decent spots at times. I'd be inclined to play Martinelli through the middle, Hmm. bring Saka in on the right-hand side, switch Pepe to the left, because I think he's more effective there. Smith-Rowe is the 10. Lekonga and Xhaka, I assume, is what they'll go with in midfield again, and I assume it'll be similar defence. But yeah, I think I'd play Martinelli through the middle and just try and utilise his pace to get behind Silva and not try and do anything too fancy. Just exercise that space. Put the ball into that space. You've got Saka and Pepe, both pretty quick with wide players. Get them moving as well into the channels behind those wide centre-backs. Try and pull them as wide as possible. The way Arsenal win this game is to take away the protection that Tuchel puts around Thiago Silva, which is pace to his right and a block in front of him. You take away the block in front of him by playing behind him. 
you take away the pace to his right or his left by simply using your pace in those channels and pulling those centre-backs out. Mm. Now, of course, Thiago Silva didn't start the game against Crystal Palace, may not start this game. So if he's not there, it's a little bit different. Christensen is a different type of defender and you know has different skills. But for me, what I would look to do is I would look... If, if Thiago Silva plays, I, I would just look to expose him. Any team that did it last season got joy. Yeah. But I still expect... I still expect Chelsea to win this game pretty comfortably. I'll go with a 3-1 Chelsea win. Yeah, you have to make them favourites. Um, last game, and this is on Monday, so Monday Night Football. And this should be a good one. It's the battle of the one, the well, the Europa League teams, but the teams that look were looking and hopefully still looking for their sakes to get in the Champions League, West Ham-Leicester. Um, West Ham, obviously, in that mental game with uh, with Newcastle and Leicester, it's pretty boring against Wolves, wasn't it? <laughs> I can't even remember. Yeah, and, the and they didn't look particularly good defensively themselves. Um, neither team did in their opening game, mm. and and we look, we know that the good groundwork that was put in defensively at at Leicester by Claude Puel has been eroded by the Rodgers era. Rodgers is not a defensive coach; doesn't approve defenders. He actively makes them worse by trying to expand their games into things they're not comfortable with. Now, the problem for Leicester this weekend, Johnny Evans is out, Tim Castanier is out, Ryan Bertrand is out, James Madison is a doubt, James Justin is out, Wes Fafana is out, and Nimpali's Mendy is out. So, Fafana, Justin, Bertrand, Castanier, and Evans, all out. That's a lot of defenders to be missing mm. at one time. Last weekend, they went with Pereira, Amarty, Sionchu, and Thomas as the back four. Mm-hmm. My assumption is they go with the same thing again. No Vestergaard? Oh, yeah. Vestergaard could come in for, for Amarty. But the problem you have there is both Vestergaard and Sionchu play left side centre back. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you can move one of them, but he's not going to be all that comfortable. Now, maybe he'll go back three. Yeah. That might be what he does play Sionchu. Um, on the left, Amarty on the right, and Vestigard in the middle. He went to that mid-game against Wolves. And maybe with Madison out, that's what he does. And to- Thomas, yeah. I think Thomas has been quite impressive, or quietly he's impressive. Decent, but, yeah, he's a decent he, young player. He is a decent young yeah. player. He's, he's good going forward as well, so that might help him on Pereira. That's the thing. And Pereira is predominantly a, you know, an attacking fullback. So maybe that's what he'll do. Go back three. Tielemans and Ndidi in front of them. Barnes, and then Vardy plus one. I don't know that Aosley Perez did enough to warrant another start. Didn't yeah, think he played all that much, well. Much better with Inacho and Dakar, aren't they? That's the thing. So, yeah, I, I guess I guess one of them, Inacho or Dakar, comes in. Probably Inacho uh, alongside Vardy with Barnes kind of floating in behind. Yeah, I, I get, maybe he'll go back three. Um, for the Hammers, they looked... Mental defensively, uh, Masawak is out, but he's not a defender really. He plays left back, but he's not a defender. We we know what West Ham are going to try and do. Like we know where their strength lies. It's in using Antonio as a battering ram, yeah, and set pieces with the likes of Rice, Suchek, and and Antonio and the centre backs coming forward. They've got a good creative line of Bowen. Ben Rama and Fornals, all three played pretty well in the Newcastle game. 
their big issue is a lack of depth. But for now, they've got mm-hmm. everybody fit. I'd have concerns about their defence um, against this Leicester attack. Leicester are potent going forward. Didn't show it against Wolves all the time, but we've seen them over the last couple of years. Rodgers, for how bad he is defensively, he's a really good attack-minded coach. He's really inventive. He's really good at getting the best out of attacking players. He develops them well. Um, but both teams have issues defensively. West Ham are a difficult team to stop. This is in West Ham. It's Monday night. There should be a good crowd at it. I'll go draw. I'll go 2-2 draw. I think it'll be a good game of football, contrasting styles. Like you said, two teams in the Europa League. And for different reasons. West Ham because they shocked everybody. Leicester because they choked. Um, they they don't view themselves as teams on the same level. Leicester very much view themselves as a Champions League team. West Ham can't can't view themselves as that at all yet. But um, I, I do think it'll be a good game. I'll go two two. And that's the last game. That is it then. So we might have time, guy, for a bit of gossip. We might wrap through the gossip real quick on a Friday. Uh, Jesse Lingard is ready to leave Manchester United. Say the times. Unless he is informed that he is going to play regularly for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team, he wants to leave. Jesse, you're not going to play regularly, but they're not going to let you leave because they want £25 million and you're not a £25 million player. Uh, Liverpool are preparing a new contract offer to Mo Salah, which would, make, or which would be the most expensive in the club's history, and rightly so. Um, he is a ridiculous footballer. Sheffield United are interested in signing Manchester United and Ivory Coast winger Ahmed Diallo on loan. Do not let him go on loan to the Championship. Send him to Germany. What you should have done when you were doing the Sancho deal was got yourself a bit of money off by sending Diallo on loan for the next two years. But that would have been a clever thing to do. Poland striker Robert Lewandowski is ready to seek a new challenge away from Bayern Munich. The 32-year-old still has two years left on his current contract. So this is from the Mirror. And what they've done is they've taken a statement that he made and completely twisted it around. Uh, They've also, you know, just ignored the fact that he is 32. He turns 33 tomorrow. And with two years left in his deal, Bayern are going to want a ridiculous amount of money, which nobody will pay for Robert Lewandowski at that age. They might pay 50, 60, even maybe 70 million when you see what Cristiano went for 100 million at 34. But nobody's paying 100 million for Lewandowski at 33. No chance. Uh, Lewandowski's 100 million pound price tag will not deter Manchester City. I will bet that it will. Um, Bernardo Silva does not want to move to Tottenham as part of a deal to sign Harry Kane. I think he would be an interesting fit there. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him in that team. Um, like a, a Bernardo Silva, Delhi, Sun, Trio behind a striker, say like a Dusan Vlahovic or whoever uh, Spurs would bring in. That could be really, really good. And then you'd still have like the likes of Gil, Bergvine, Lacelso, Mora as depth options. That, that could be interesting for Spurs, but. If he's not interested, he's not interested. But he seemingly seemingly wants out. But if he wants out, you can't want out but only want to go to certain clubs. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. Like, you're either happy at City, but you would be interested in a move to Barcelona. Or, as he's apparently told them, he wants to leave 
but only for certain clubs. It's a, he needs to settle himself down. Barca have no money and they don't need him. And Atletico Madrid don't have the money for him. Unless they sell Saul, and maybe that might happen. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain manager Mauricio Pochettino said he expects Kylian Mbappe to stay at the club this season, despite speculation linking him at Real Madrid. I think he stays as well. I think he goes for free next summer. I think Real do absolute madness next summer with him, Camavinga, Pogba and Haaland. I would bet they get three of those four. Um, Chelsea have reportedly held fresh talks with um, Aurelien Chumani of Monaco. The 21-year-old has also been linked at Manchester United this summer. He's really, really good. Chelsea are set to offer Trevo Chalaba a new deal after his impressive start to the, se- to the season. It's been one game. One game against Crystal Palace. Let's settle ourselves down here. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is happy to stay at Arsenal beyond the summer transfer window. Arsenal or Barcelona were said to be interested, but the 32-year-old wants to fulfil his objective of becoming an Arsenal legend. Uh, more truthfully, Barca have no interest in him, and he will stay there because he earns 350 grand a week, and no one else is going to consider giving him half of that. Brightner and talks over a move for Darwin Nunes. It's from the mail. It may just be a rehash of last year's stuff. Tottenham, Newcastle. Sorry, Tottenham, Newcastle, Leicester, Wolves, Manchester United, Juventus, Bayern Munich, Roma, and Atalanta were all in attendance for PSV's playoff qualifying defeat by Benfica to watch Noni Mudeki. Mudeki? Maduki? I don't know. He's really good, though. Really, really good. He'd be perfect for Leicester. Perfect as the left-footed right-winger that they want. Whether they could afford him or not, I don't know. Uh, Watford have received no approach from Liverpool for Ishmael Assar and are adamant he's not for sale. There was a report that he handed in a transfer request a few days ago. Said at the time it was nonsense. It's it's nonsense. Um, the Hornets have reportedly let one of their players leave, however, as Isaac's success is due to have a medical with Udinese. This is not letting a player leave. This is just moving him to a different department. This is like... Imagine you work in, I don't know, let's say you work in Harrods, or no, let's be more realistic. Let's say you work in Tesco, and of a day, your job is to merchandise the fruit and veg department. That's what you do. You, You order stuff in. Put it out, whatever it is that they do. That's your job. You do fruit. I'm, I'm going by my local Tesco as to what's in line. So you walk in, fruit and veg is first. And then one day your manager comes and says to you, we're going to put you in the bread department. We, we just feel like you'd be better in the bread department. And you get moved to the bread department. That's basically what's happened to Isaac's success here. He hasn't done well in fruit and veg. So they're moving him to bread. It's a little bit more exotic, but it's in the back. It's not up front. It's not the, it's not the golden role. It's in the back. That's basically what's happened to Isaac. That's not selling a player. They own both clubs. It's just moving them from one department to another. Um, Fiorentina president Rocco Camiso insists he has not set an, an asking price for Dusan Vlahovic. The Serbian striker has already attracted a 70 million euros bid from Spanish champions Atletico Madrid. I don't believe he's attracted a bid, just interest. 
But the fact that the price has gone from 40 million, uh, 40 million at the start of the summer to 70 million now, that's pause for, for concern uh, for any buying club. Southampton are considering a move for Everton fullback Thierry Small. The 17-year-old has been linked to the move away from Goodison Park amid rumours he's turned down a new contract with the Toffees. He's a very good, young, promising left-back. They could do with a backup left-back, so he'd make sense. At Everton, he's behind, obviously, Luca is there. Um, and he's going to be the first choice for the foreseeable future. He's one of the best left-backs in the league. They've also got Niels and Kunku, who they brought in last season. He's ahead of Small. So it would make sense for Small to seek a move away, and Southampton could be a good move for him. Uh, Barcelona won £12.8 million for 18-year-old Spanish midfielder Iliax Mariba. The teenager attracted interest from Wolves, but the Catalan club are yet to receive an acceptable offer. The issue with him is his agent is asking for disgusting wages for an 18-year-old who's done nothing in the game that's what's keeping him at Barcelona for now uh, if his way if his agent gets a bit more realistic he'll be gone real quick it'll be a bunch of clubs will want him and lastly Everton have approached Barcelona with an inquiry about centre-back Samuel Titi with a view to signing the French international before the transfer window closes on August 31st I would guess this is it would be a loan move if Everton were doing it because you wouldn't want to take him on permanently. With them injuries, you'd be you'd be signing yourself up to a world of hurt. Barca gave him a huge contract a couple of years ago. Then he couldn't stay fit. Then he fell out of favour. You don't want to commit to him long term. Not if you're having to pay him any more than about a hundred grand a week. He's currently on, I think, four hundred thousand a week at Barca. Something disgusting, anyway. Uh, that is it. Then that is our show for today. That is our shows for the week. You should all now go and enjoy your weekends. You've got nothing better to do now than watch loads of football. Take care of yourselves. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Just don't be an asshole. See you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.